Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're so happy to have Mr. John Knights, the editor and author of Leading Beyond the Ego, How to Become a Transpersonal Leader. John, welcome to the program and thank you for agreeing to come on to talk about what I think is this very innovative and very dynamic book titled Leading Beyond the Ego, How to Become a Transpersonal Leader. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. John, if you could, you, you have a phenomenal background. I'm very honored to have you on the program. Can you share with our audience the highlights of your background? Okay. Well, I guess it's worth uh, <clears throat> stating to start with that uh, I'm basically qualified as an engineer at university, chemical engineer. Um, and then I spent the next 17 years in, uh, <clears throat> in corporate life, climbing the, uh, climbing the ladder, so to speak. Um, I had the fortune to live in uh, five different countries during that time. Apart from the UK, I lived in Sweden, Holland, Singapore, and the United States. Um, and um, f had four years in the United States, by w at the end of which I was a vice president, corporate vice president of a Fortune 100 company that was then called Combustion Engineering. It doesn't exist anymore, but uh, or it's been bought out and you know spun off and so on and so forth. Uh, but in those days, it was quite a big, uh, big organization. And um, I was, amongst other things, responsible for Asia. Pacific for the corporation and then I was responsible for strategy and uh, policy um, and then I was um, headhunted to go back to the UK where I became a main board director uh, which is like a you know senior officer um, of one of the largest uh, companies in in the UK um, in the mid 80s um, I had the opportunity to become chief executive of that organization, um, but I wasn't happy with the, with the ethics. And in those days, there was no whistleblowing. So you had the choice to either play the game or get out. And I decided to get out. And at that point, I took the opportunity to become an entrepreneur. And I spent the next 10 years starting up a number of different companies in different areas, mainly technology environmental technology oriented um, and that uh, that gave me a different perspective on leadership of course and and how to run businesses um, I enjoyed that probably more than the corporate life to be quite honest but the thing that was really interesting was in 1998 I got the opportunity to learn to coach and I was asked if I would um, moderate a group of chief executives who were going through their own learning and development. Um, and that was when I started to really work out what my own attitude to leadership was and looking and reflecting in the mirror, if you like, of the, their mirror of, of my journey of leadership. And what I realized was that I hadn't really thought too much about leadership. I just got on with a day job. Um, and it was only really when I started to work in this way that I started to realize that the emotions and the spirit have so much to do with leadership. It's not just about rational decisions. It's not just about processes and strategy and so on and so forth. 
Um, and that, and I fell in love with that in a way. And sort of, uh, you know, I moved from the dark side or to the dark side, whichever you way you're looking at it, from from being an, a, originally a simple engineer to 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 basically being most interested in people and how people function. Um, and so, in 2003, with a couple of colleagues, we decided that what we wanted to do was to find a way to develop leaders for the 21st century uh, that was going to be very different to what had been done before. So that's in a nutshell. And uh, of course, you have your company called uh, uh, Leadership Global. Leadership Global. Global, and, yeah. And, and you chose the name Leadership for a very specific reason. And what was the reason for having those two words together? Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> To, we wanted to shape leaders basically i mean it was uh, pretty pretty simple and uh, but we also wanted to we had a, a a goal to do it on a global basis not that we ever wanted to become a big company or big corporation ourselves but we wanted to through partnerships and working with other organizations to be able to spread the word globally you know in, in reading this book i mean it, there's a lot to unpack here i mean i, yeah. I have read tons of books on leadership. And this one, I, I'm, I'm going to have to probably go through two or three times because there's a lot of rich information in there. You, you talk about, this book is in three parts, the intermediate journey of the transpersonal leader, uh, the advanced journey of the transpersonal leader, and then implementation of transpersonal leadership development. But you talk about prior to this book, there is a primer that you feel people should read. T talk to us about that. I know we're going we're gonna to get into this book, but I just want to let the, the listeners know that there's um, a, a, another book that they need to go out to get. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, it's not so much a, another book, but it's really, um, you know, where we start off as leaders is as rational, um, ego-based leaders. So we're... And this is not immoral, but it's, it's where we start off. You know, our interest is in ourselves. We want to do well for ourselves. You know, we want to get our first house. We want to get our first car. We want to get a family. It's all about what we want. Um, and that's fine. But to become a leader in an organization, you have to go beyond being just for yourself. You're getting paid to make decisions for the organization. And often we get very confused about what decisions we're making for. Are we making them for our own career or are we making them for the benefit of the organization, the benefit of the organization's stakeholders? And we want to bring that to full consciousness so that we're making that, when we make those decisions, we're doing it ethically. Excellent. And so what was the inspiration to bring this, this edited volume together? Okay, well, we've been working, as I said, since two, early 2000s to develop a program, what we call a journey, really, to take people through so that they, they, they start by raising their self-awareness. They learn to manage their emotions. They learn how to use different leadership styles in different circumstances, how to use those leadership styles to develop the culture that they want in the organization. And then moving to a more advanced state, raising their values to full consciousness so that every decision they make is with their core values. And that's something we often forget about too. We 
we tend to, you know, and in fact, we're often encouraged in organizations to leave those values at the, at the front door when we come in, you know, they're okay for the family, but not for, not for work. And that's why so many organizations are in these me this mess of ethical problems and getting fines and so on and so forth. Um, so we would, tr we want to develop leaders that, that can g move beyond their ego and uh, hence the title of the book. Um, so that they're thinking about the, um, the, the stakeholders in the organization um, and not for their own benefit. And that was, the, that was the inspiration initially. But of course, from the beginning, it was kind of difficult to, to write that book. It was, we, we, had to, we had to not only run those programs for a long time, but, but gather the analysis and data that, those, that the outputs of those programs and so that was taking a, a, a long time. And there were a couple of books that were precursors to this. Uh, but this one was, we were actually approached by Routledge, which is, you know, one of the top uh, academic publishers in the world. Um, if we were interested in doing that, because what they saw was an opportunity to write a text. Their, their prime interest was actually a text for, for academia, for, you know, graduate MBAs, graduate courses and so on and so forth and we sort of said well yeah we want that that's great but we also want to be able to do it so it's a so it's a um, a reference for any leader who wants to go through their own journey okay so that's that's that was the essence of it and it's made a huge it's had an in, incredible impact actually uh, much greater than we expected and how are you getting this book out beyond you know, Routledge? I mean, I, I'm very familiar with Routledge. I, I work yeah. in the, the, the publishing industry. Right. Um, and I know publishers, their marketing is, is it's, it, it's not as expansive as maybe some of us would like yeah. because yeah. they have so many books to publish. How are you getting this message out? I mean, of course, coming on our program as well. Yeah. But Well, we've, we've, uh, I've, we've been lucky to have a number of uh, interviews with radios and television stations uh we've done a number of webinars and if people go onto our website uh they can they go on the home page in fact and and, and, click and, and on, your website is leadershapeglobal.com uh, leadershapeglobal.com leadership leadershapeglobal.com yeah <laughs> uh, and on the home page there is a picture of the book if they just click on that then they'll see a whole series of uh, articles, videos, etc., etc. A lot, lot of, lot of material. Uh, yeah, a lot of material. Plus, Routledge were actually um, uniquely for this book. Uh, I guess we're a kind of a pilot. Was that they've actually um, worked with us for us to produce a series of white papers. So we've got nine white papers. A tenth one is coming out this month on productivity, and they're all applications of. Uh, transpersonal leadership and they're all free downloads oh, very nice um, so so yes to some extent it's about marketing and the book and making the that's fair enough but but actually in their own right they're they're academic papers but fairly easy to read I mean they're not they're not really heavy stuff but but they're, they're academic in the sense that they've all got good references so that they're they're genuine they're not just sort of you know made up stories <laughs> you know I, I teach at seton hall university um both the graduate and undergraduate level professional sales with my yeah. good dear friend john hoffman and one of his famous sayings is that um 
the golden rule is that not that we want to, people to treat us as we want to be treated, but we want to treat people as they want to be treated. Yes. And in there, you talk about the emotional intelligence and understand yeah. Yeah. Uh, those folks. And that's just so important. I, I want to jump to an opening paragraph. You start off and you write the authoritative, the authoritarian or best paternal leadership styles of the past, along with hierarchical and non-diverse organizations are struggling to cope in this new world. What challenges are these leaders, these types of leaders facing, and how will your book help them to make the transition? Okay, so I think that the two key things are that the world is getting more complex, and therefore the old hierarchical system of the decision being made up in the cloud somewhere and then disseminated was okay in a simple world, but our world is too complex for that. So we need leaders at all levels. We need people to be able to take the decision who are at the sharp end. Um, and they have, to be, they have to be developed so they can do that, but, but it, it's about sharing. So rather than you know, the old, the old uh, maxim of, of uh, a need to know basis, well, th this should be exactly the opposite. You tell people as much as you can. You only keep confidential that that absolutely must be kept confidential and so so that the company acts like an organism rather than rather than a diagram um, and I think that's absolutely necessary if we're going to operate in this sort of VUCA world that we're all talking about um, I think the other thing is that society is changing very much so we know that the Millennials and the and the uh, the next generation the Z generation uh, that that they have different thoughts and different ways of thinking uh, than than my generation, the baby baby boomers, where you know it was all about you know we had a job for life sort of thing, um, and now people are I think in general are much more thoughtful. They they want purpose in life. They want the meaningful. The fact that the climate change is having beginning to have such an impact on our world, and the young people are recognizing that that they have to be treated that, so that there needs to be a more democratic approach. And I don't mean one person, one vote, but what I mean is that they have to be involved. People have to be involved in making the decisions that they have to carry out. So it's that kind of thing that I'm thinking about. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. John Knights, who is the editor and author of the book, Leading Beyond the Ego, How to Become a Transpersonal Leader. And so moving on, could you give us a definition of transpersonal leadership? Okay. Well, in its simple form, it's about going beyond your own personal benefit. But in a little bit more detail, it's about learning to be robust yet emotionally aware and by robust i mean being able to say things fairly straight and being able to accept criticism but at the same time doing it in a way that you're not going to annoy people or upset people unnecessarily that you do it in a careful emotion an emotionally aware way and then you have to be radical which means and i don't by that i don't mean blowing up uh, city centers but what i mean is um, being fearless, be, having courage and thinking about, you know, what are the basic alternatives? We've been, we've always been thought, we've always thinking in organizations or in companies anyway about, you know, it's all about making more money. 
And maybe we have to rethink some of that. We have to think about performance being more than, than just money. It's about quality. And quite often we're not providing that quality, even for the rich people, let alone the poor people. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have to be ethical. We have to bring those values to our, to our work. And we have to be authentic. You know, the, the, again, I was brought up that I should be a different person at home than I am at work. That was the sort of the norm. Well, that, that's, a, that's a load of nonsense, basically. It doesn't work. It causes stress as well. So you have to be an authentic. So they're the kind of the key things. And then what that enables you to do is it enables you to provide a performance enhancing organization that is, that is ethical and is caring and sustainable. You know, they're all key things that, so that's what transpersonal leadership is about. You know, I, I, I was moved by figure 1.1, where you show the three different types of intelligence, the spiritual yes. intelligence, the rational intelligence, and emotional intelligence. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I, I've been reading up on emotional intelligence for quite some time. Yeah. I haven't heard the word rational intelligence. Right. Explain to us what, what is that and why is that so important as part of these three circles that bring okay. together um, this transpersonal leadership? Well, rational intelligence is, is what we're taught basically at school, at university and, and in the workplace. We're taught to, to think logically, to be analytical. Um, and that is fine to a certain extent. That's how we get our processes and our structures. And, you know, that's all about management, if you like. But if you want to move into leadership, you've got to move away from that. And the other thing is that the rational intelligence is really the only one that's at the conscious level. It's something we can think about. It's something we can talk about where your emotions are subconscious. And, of course, your, your spiritual being is at a much deeper level uh, than that. And by spiritual, I'm not talking about religion by the way i'm talking about you know values and ethics and so on and so forth yes um and it's it's about being able to unwrap those different levels absolutely and so in reading this book you you said that this is a good book for senior you know senior managers to read um i would say <laughs> that this book is probably good for everyone to read um, to, to be, because, you know, as, as you, you have quoted Covey, um, there's the four levels of consciousness. Yeah. And one of the things that I like is be, to be able to go from the unconscious incompetent level to go to the conscious incompetent level to yeah. understand if my manager is utilizing these principles for me to understand those principles. Yeah. What are your thoughts about um, introducing uh, this book to folks who are just getting started in, 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 their, in their careers? Well, I think, you know, it's the best time, really. Um, and I've found that, uh, you know, I do quite a lot of uh, lecturing at undergraduate and graduate level. And, and whenever I bring this subject up, it's, it's eaten it's eaten up quickly by younger people, quicker than older people, because older people have got you know, they've got the way that they've done things for years and they have to sort of almost go on the road to Damascus to get an aha moment to be able to change. Whereas younger people haven't, haven't formed those fixed views anymore. They're much more flexible and much more open to thinking. Um, and in fact, 
one of the things that we're doing more and more is we're working with universities to to actually um, provide them with our intellectual property um, as part of their course. So we're actually training universities to to deliver this kind of material and it works very well at sort of MBA level for example where MBAs are getting tired and everybody's getting bored with them as as their standard you know the standard thing what are we going to do new well to me the new thing you have to do is to have to throw this new kind of leadership into it and that would that will turn it up upside down and make it much more interesting so we're talking with a number of universities in a number of countries about that well, I would love for you to come to Seton Hall to talk to uh, uh, our dean there, Dean Strauser there, about this, because I really think this is very, very I'd be more um, than happy comp to. Com compelling work. And, you know, the one thing in the beginning, you provided an example of a receptionist who greeted some visitors, and she was very forward in providing them information. It was, uh, tell us about that example. And that example really struck me because very seldom in the course of my career have I come across someone that was that um, not forward, but, but helpful, wanting yeah. to be helpful. Well, it was, I mean, it was a personal experience. I, I walked into the headquarters of a big oil company um, and I was waiting to see the uh, HR director, I think. Um, and this guy, and he was a guy actually, I mean, you, you sort of, uh, unfortunately we are, trained to think that if it's a reception it's going to be a woman but in this case it was a it was guy a, so it was a mm -hmm. uh, was it um it was the gender reversal type of thing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and um he just started to explain to us asked us if we were interested in knowing a little bit more about the company um and i thought that was an incredible initiative and the thing was that when i spoke to the um the people I was visiting who were much more senior than him, um, whether they knew about this, they had no idea. He was just taking the initiative. And I thought, wow, that's really great that he was doing it all on his, with his own totally own initiative and not even seeking any plaudits from, from anybody. And I thought that was, you know, a very simple but very true sign of transpersonal leadership. You know, recently I, I did experience that uh, probably one of the few times in my career. I was calling on um, a particular uh, business and the people who answered the phone were very friendly and they advised me that the owner wasn't in, but hey, but you can call back at this time and, and she'll be there. And when, I, and, and when I stopped in to the place of business, um, again, I was greeted very nice and oh yeah, the owner's here and, and we told her all about you. She's waiting to meet with you. And I was like, wow, that was a really great experience. Yeah. So when I read your example, it reminded me of that, that I just recently uh, ex experienced that. Yeah. And, and, and how, how would you recommend to managers to make that part of the culture versus the, sometimes the traditional stone face, um, yeah. no soliciting of allowed, uh, we're not going to provide you any extra yeah. information because we want to. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that, I have a big thing about is productivity. And I think the way you get productivity, the best way to get increased productivity is by discretionary effort. <coughs> and the way you get discretionary effort is by is engaging people and empowering them. So if you make them part of the solution rather than just part of the process 
and you know and and you start asking questions so i i'm a great believer that all leaders should should have a capability to coach and use the coaching style leadership and i'm talking about doing the same as an external coach but but the coaching style leadership and i don't mean the athletic coach either where you're sort of giving advice but this is about asking questions so that rather than you know assuming that you know the answer and telling people how to do things you ask people you know well how how would you do it and i think that's when you get some extraordinary inputs and then people feel ownership and they and once people feel ownership then they'll put in that extra that extra mile so that's you know a simple answer to that one you know um believe it or not we're getting close <laughs> to the end as i said we're if, if i would love to have you back on because there's much more to unpack on on this great book but sure. on your figure 1.2, where you talk about the, the, the path to developing leadership, can you, can you walk us through figure 1.2? Because it talks about the launch, the intermediate, and the advanced um, portions of it. And yes. it's, change is hard. Change is hard. And, and I like the way that you have, you have addressed this. You have addressed this head on to say, hey, this is not a quick fix. You're going to have to work at this, yes. which I love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does take time. And, you know, to, to, to become a, a good leader, or a great leader, even, you have to be able to change behaviors, you have to change habits. Um, because we all have this tendency to, to a sort of Stone Age default. Um, and so the first thing that we have to learn in this journey is about increasing our self awareness. That's the first thing. Uh, we have to understand ourselves better um, in many ways, not just emotionally, but also, you know, how do our five senses work? Are we, are we an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, do we feel our way through things or do we think our way through things? You know, there's a lots of levels that need unpeeling to understand ourselves and it never, never, never finishes. And then it's very much so important is about learning how to manage our emotions. And of course, that's in the whole emotional intelligence thing. But it's, you know, I've met so many people who said, yeah, I know what emotional intelligence is. And, and they've read the book and they maybe understand it rationally. But have they taken it in and actually changed a few behaviors? You know, do they listen more effectively? In fact, we found that the, the, the number one granular behavior of all leaders that they need to develop is not listening attentively, but it's actually feeding back that you've heard it's showing that you understand how people are feeling that's the number one criteria for development in a leader um, and then it's about these leadership styles I mean and I think that I don't think any I don't think you can beat Goldman on that the, the, the book uh, you know I think it was called in the States um, what was it called um, Oh, I do know the book you're referring to. It's yeah. anyway, <laughs> we use it, it in we use it in our class. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very good. It was written in about 2002, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know it, it describes emotional intelligence and leadership styles in a mm -hmm. way that that is better than any other uh, any other I've come across. But the important thing for, for for us was that it fitted with the the theories that we use around culture, so that you can link leadership styles to culture. Excellent. Um, so that's the intermediate stage. So um, 
I'd like for you to take a, a minute to, because we're, we're down to our last couple of minutes, okay. to give us a, you know, some, some thoughts you want to share with the audience, but also how can they get in touch with you? That's, that's very important. Okay, so um, certainly you can get in touch with me through the website. Um, you know, if you, there's, a, there's a contact link there where people can just ask to be in contact with me. Uh, they can also, you know, um, I'm on LinkedIn, just go to John Knight's Leadership Global and you'll find me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably one of the easiest ways. And uh, in fact, the, one of the wonderful ways is so many people who've read the book contact do contact me directly on LinkedIn. And we have the most amazing conversations. I've met the most amazing people through that. Um, so that's the best way. And, and also not to forget that I, it's not just me. This, this book was written by a group of people. Um, I maybe have written more chapters than the others but but very much a joint joint thing and it and it needs that i mean it's just too this book is is too much for just one person to be able to write excellent excellent any any final quotes on leadership you like to leave with um well yeah my favorite uh, my favorite is tolstoy which is everybody wants to change the world but nobody wants to change themselves and if you want to be a leader, you've got to start off by changing yourself. And then you can think about changing the world. You know what? That goes very well with my closing comment. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Mr. John Knights, the editor and author of Leading Beyond the Ego, How to Become a Transpersonal Leader. John, thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU. 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Have a great weekend, but remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM.